welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. George, it's very fitting. The last time we talked to you all, it was Tuesday. And what were we talking about, George? Shane Steichen's Coach of the Year candidacy and why he should be the front runner right now through 12 weeks, in part because of the adversity he has faced and so far has overcome. And of course, by the way, just our luck, as this always does happen, Big news breaks as soon as our podcast is over. Happened yet again. Now more adversity for Steichen and the Colts to face as Jonathan Taylor will not be playing on Sunday in Tennessee. Probably is not playing next week in Cincinnati. And his future now is in question because he had surgery on his thumb early this week. The reported timeline is two to three weeks. But George, there's very little info about this sur- about this injury. About the surgery, it feels like it truly just came out of nowhere. We're both, we literally were still talking um, to each other when we ended the podcast and the news broke that JT's out or at least had a thumb injury that could keep him out. Now we know that he got surgery and now we know the timeline is at least right now roughly two to three weeks. What could you tell us right now? Uh, Do you have any idea when this injury happened? Do you have any idea of truly how accurate this two to three week timeline is? I feel like there's very little details. It just came out of nowhere. Boom, injured thumb, here's surgery, and he's back in two to three weeks. Is there any other details you could tell us, George? Yeah, unfortunately, there is very little that we know about it. We do know what happened in the second quarter of the game. So he played most of the game on Sunday uh, with the injury. Other than that, that's it. I mean, (laughs) that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, he got the hand wrapped during that second quarter. He put on a glove. He came back in. He obviously finished that game. Uh, had a huge couple of huge plays in the fourth quarter, and obviously the the touchdown that was the decisive play in the game. Uh, you know, he scored that. Other than that, after the game, he seemed fine. That's not a, not unusual, by the way, for for injured players. I mean, the, I I had a dollar for every time. Uh, you know, somebody seemed fine after the game, and then later in the week, there there was something that cropped up. But probably retire right now. But it's it's a very, as so many are around this team, it's a very vague injury right now. You know, we know it required surgery. So obviously there's a degree here of, of severity um, that, that's beyond just play through the pain. Um, as far as the timetable goes, the only person who's put that out was Jim Mercy, who, who told The Athletic that it was two to three weeks. So... Last to check, he didn't have his medical degree. So, you know, I don't know where <laughs> for sure. I'm sure that's what he's being told by the doctors. Um, and he, no one's come out and corrected that after the surgery. So that's probably a good sign. But, I mean, you just never know. I, mean, I, I just I just think about the other injuries so far this year, like Jelani Woods. You know, the indication was when he went on IR before the season that he'd be back probably October, November. Here we are on the verge of December. He's still not practicing. And at this point, uh, I think it was last week or the week before that, that Shane Sykin said he can't even guarantee Woods will play this year. You might miss the entire season. He had a setback during that. So, you know, that's part of the process too. Uh, Juju Brents didn't go on IR. Uh, coming up on his sixth week out with this quad injury will be his fifth game that he's missed. All we know about him is he's close uh, from Shane Sykin in, in the presser on Wednesday. So, you know, put JT into that category. Right now we go with with the details that are out there, as scarce as they are, uh, and say, well, two to three weeks would mean best-case scenario, he's back for the Steelers. 
Uh, and then maybe if, if it goes to the longer end of that recovery, it would be what Christmas Eve against Atlanta that he would be back. But you have to think there's at least some possibility if there's a setback or uh, if, if the time frame is just not accurate, we're close enough to the end of the year that it, there's, there's a non-zero chance he doesn't play again this season. No, you're right. I mean, the, a lot of these injuries, they have been longer timelines than first reported. Is this, like, do you have any idea, George? Is it like a pain? T- like in terms of him returning, is it functionality in the thumb? Is it pain tolerance? Like, is there any sort of like detail? I mean, again, it, it's tough because you're pulling teeth from Shane Sykin just to ask him what day it is. So I get that. Is there any, like, do you have any indication, I guess, of, of like what the biggest factor is to him returning to the field? Yeah. I mean, again, we don't have a whole lot, but just, you know, from, from the little bit that, that Shane Steichen told us the other day, uh, it does sound like it's functionality. Like it, it's more about, can he grip the ball? Can he continue to hold on to it, you know, through contact? And Shane mentioned pass protection too, you know, as, as an issue here with obviously when you're blocking and, you know, that thumb, you, you need it to do a lot of things. I think, I feel like the thumb is one of those things that you don't really realize how important it is until it's hurt. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I can't do this and I can't do that. Um, and so it's functionality from, from what little that we know. Uh, I think the big question is, you know, just, is it broken? Is there a torn ligament? What exactly is it that they had to go in there and clean up? And in all likelihood, we're not going to know the answer to that until after the season. You know, that, that'll that probably be one of those things uh, during Chris Ballard's kind of season-ending presser where he'll say, oh, by the way, that Jonathan Taylor injury, here it was. Uh, and it's probably, you know, there's a lot of paranoia in the NFL that, that drives you insane at times. Like, you know, they don't want to tell you who the starting right tackle is going to be on Sunday, and even though it's really like one choice. But I think this is one of those ones I think does make sense. You don't want to give – if JT is back for Pittsburgh, you don't want to give the Steelers any indication of what's wrong there and then give them an idea of, you know, I bet if we did this, it would really affect him. Um, so I, this is one of those times where I think the NFL's ever-present paranoia is justified. But it's frustrating from a media standpoint. I'm sure it's frustrating from a fan standpoint because you really don't have any idea how long, you know, even even to try to guess it how long this this absence will actually be. Very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. And now just, again, the latest example of adversity the Colts will now have to face and overcome going into Tennessee without uh, one of their best offensive players in Jonathan Taylor. Hopefully it's the Steelers game is back. But, yeah, that, that's I'm with you right there. I'm not holding my breath or assuming that's going to be the case. Uh, quick programming note, Ben Arthur of Fox Sports will join us here on the podcast preview. Colts-Titans. Uh, this Sunday, we'll obviously give you our game picks as well. George Bremer, do not let him get hot, folks. Three-game winning streak here in terms of game picks. He has been on fire. We'll see if that could continue to four on Sunday. But the good news is, George, like, if there was any team in the league that could withstand an injury to their best running back, it is the Colts. Because right now, we are talking about the guy that's going to replace him on Sunday in Zach Moss being the 10th leading rusher overall in the NFL. Obviously, he's had a nice head start when JT was at the first, really, five games. We're talking about a guy with 672 rushing yards in the season, 10th in the league. So that's a guy that, again, has been very productive so far this season. And you even go back to the week five game early this season, Zach Moss 
165 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. And the Colts had their best rushing game of the season against the Titans back in week five, 193 rushing yards as a team. So that is, especially for me as an optimist, George, that is something you could still hang your hat on of JT was there on the field physically in week five, but I think it was a few, it was a few carries, no impact really whatsoever. And the Colts saw no problem running the ball and Zach Moss was tremendous. And that was with Anthony Richardson missing basically two and a half quarters of that game as well. So a lot of what the Colts are going to carry um, into Sunday, a lot of those same guys had a lot of success the last time these two teams played uh, back in week five. That is still something, George, that, I mean, at least to give away my game pick here, my pick on the game is not changing based on the Jonathan Taylor injury. Is your outlook on this game, how much has it changed right now um, knowing the last time we spoke Tuesday, Jonathan Taylor was going to play, and obviously now as we talk here on Thursday, he's out. Yeah, not a great deal. Like you said, I think they're in a good position in that Zach Moss has, has already done this a couple times this year. Um, so this will be a six start. It's not like he's stepping into a role he's, he's unsure of. Uh, and we've seen him play really well with, with Jonathan Taylor out. Uh, Taylor had six carries for 18 yards in that Tennessee game. So, yeah, I mean, you you would think you could get that from Trey Sermon yeah. if that's what needs to, to be done on Sunday. Uh, and it'll be interesting with Trey, too, because, you know, when he came in earlier – uh, and played a little bit, you know, before Taylor returned. You were talking about a guy that that was fresh to the to the team. Yeah, he, he had some familiarity with the offense from Philadelphia, but it's not ideal, identical, obviously. Uh, he had no idea. He was still meeting people in the locker room. He didn't know, you know, any of his teammates. He didn't. He wasn't comfortable. He wasn't settled in. So I think it'll be a different Trey Sermon this time around as well because he's got his legs under him now. He's got. You know, there, there's reason to believe he can be a stronger performer uh, this time around as well. But I don't know that it has a huge impact. I, I think Anthony Richardson being gone has has a bigger impact. Just you go back to that 56-yard touchdown run that Moss had uh, that really got that game off and running. And that was so much of that was Anthony Richardson, freezing the linebackers, uh, letting that hole really open up. Obviously, Gardner doesn't doesn't have that same kind of effect on defenses. So we'll see how it plays out. You know, I, I think that as usual, I think Richardson's absence is a bigger deal, um, but it will be a very interesting matchup now because it, you've got a completely different Titans team than you had yeah. the first time around. And you've got a Colts team that for the most part is going to look pretty much the way it did in the second half of that game, minus Grover Stewart. And I believe Juju Brent's. No, you're right about that. And that's where, like, the I think the totally different Titans team is spot on, too, because not only is it a different quarterback right now, Will Levis in for Ryan Tannehill, but it's also, like, you. if you watch the Titans this year, they are two different teams, home and away. We saw them, obviously, away, week number five, Colts won 23-16. You see them at home this year. They're a team that is 4-0, undefeated, obviously, their offense is scoring almost a touchdown or really over a touchdown per game more at home versus their season average. It's almost 25 points per game at home versus 16.8 points per game overall this season. So this is a game, George, where like you're right, it is a totally different Titans team than you're going to face back in week number five, just from the pure fact of them being the home team and being more comfortable. And that's why I think if you are Shane Steichen going to this game even without, uh, or I guess maybe especially without Jonathan Taylor now, 
I think your game plan should mirror what we saw last week against the Buccaneers, where it's more of a pass-first approach. You pass the ball to set up the run. Because even though the Colts had their best rushing day of the season back in week number five, I'm assuming, George, Mike Vrabel is a defensive guy, remembers that game very well, and is promising everybody that that's not going to happen again. So I expect Sunday, that's even without Jonathan Taylor there, the Titans are selling out, I bet you, to stop the run. And that's going to set up some opportunities on the outside here for these receivers to win and for Gardner Minshew to make some plays. I think they should mirror kind of a lot what they did last uh, last week where, especially the first half, it was pass, 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 and have that set up the run game. Yeah, no, I agree. Zach Moss sort of hinted at that a little bit. Not not the game plan, but the Titans. I was going to say, jeez, he's going to get fined. Uh, you know, uh, on Wednesday he was talking about, I forget how he worded it, but paraphrasing him, basically – uh, the, that the Colts did some things last time around that he's sure the Titans don't want them to do again. And I think that's clearly the, the run game is, is what he's referencing there. It was the biggest rushing total for the Colts this year. It was the biggest rushing total against Tennessee this year uh, and the biggest total yardage total against Tennessee this year. So, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Vrabel is absolutely, you know, that that's the number one thing on the checklist. This week for, for Tennessee, I'm, I'm certain of that. Uh, Titans are a very different team at home. Four and one at home. They did lose to Baltimore right before the bye, uh, which is their only home loss. And, and that's not a bad one. Uh, Where was that game, one. George, if we want to get technical? That's true. It wasn't at, in Tennessee. Uh, it was a home London. game officially. That's true. I uh, guess but, right. But In yeah, Nashville. But, They're a different team, damn it, in Nashville. They are. Absolutely. Different <laughs> and the thing of it is, for whatever reason, they're a much better offense in Nashville. That's the, when you look at like the, the home run home road split. So I guess you take four and oh in Nashville, oh and one in Europe and what? Oh, and six then on the road for, for the Titans this year. They score over 20 points a game in Nashville, which is a little bit. 24.7 you know, to be exact. Uh, with a lot different than, than than their season average. It will be interesting to see, you know, how that all plays out on Sunday when it all comes together. This is the last few years in particular, this has been a really tough place for the Colts. Uh, but even when they were winning in Tennessee, they were close games. I mean, aside from the Andrew Luck era, um, you know, the, the – there have been really tight games there more often than not. They come down to the last possession, like most NFL games. Uh, but it just feels like that one in particular, for whatever reason, Tennessee has been a really tough spot. Not Jacksonville. They haven't lost there, you know, since 2013. Uh, but it's it has been a very tough spot for them. I, I think it, it it makes a very interesting like storyline coming in here because not only is the rematch have some things that, that are very different from it. Anyway, like we were talking about Titans looking completely different. The Colts having some different personnel in there that I think the setting is, is a major, major aspect here. Well, it's interesting too. It's funny because Titans like beat reporters this week were asking players coming off of their win over the Panthers uh, on Sunday. Why is it the fact that you guys are so much better in Nashville versus anywhere else domestically internationally doesn't matter they just are a terrible team away from home and they did mention the fans 
it is a very good home field advantage for them, especially when the Colts come to town. It is loud. They do get behind them. And that's part of the reason, too, George. I think part of the game plan for the Colts here, I think, has to be air-based. If you can get some momentum going early here, if you can score first, and just like they did against Tampa Bay, get out to a 17-7 lead, you take that crowd, take the air out of the crowd, so you settle them down. And also, too, I think you put pressure on Will Levis. And like you mentioned before, it's a totally different offense the Colts are going to face on Sunday versus when they played in Week 5 with Ryan Tannehill under center. And that's why I think for the first time, really, in this Derrick Henry era, the Colts got to focus more on, I think, stopping the pass and stopping the run. Like, if you look back at that first matchup here early in the season, Tanya Hopkins went off, right? Eight catches, 140 yards. He had a big game, and early on in that game, really kept Tennessee right in it with some big plays, especially on third down. Will Levis is obviously a rookie quarterback. I don't think if you're the Colts, even without Grover Stewart, you are fearing Derrick Henry as much as you were in any other matchup that you've played him really since, let's say, 2018. I think this is really the game where you go in fearing someone else not named Derrick Henry on this offense. And I think you got to try whatever you can. Try your hardest here to limit DeAndre Hopkins because I think if you take him away, then all of a sudden now I don't trust Derrick Henry, even if they're not prioritizing stopping the run, to go for 150 yards like he has in the past. Like He's just not that player anymore. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on Will Levis, and that's someone who has looked shaky and jittery if his number one target in Hopkins is not running free. I think that's a really good point because we know that Levis's biggest strength is his arm uh, and, and those big plays, those big explosive plays, and, and they almost always go to Hopkins when he's made them. Uh, Hopkins has been a Colts killer going back to his Texans days. He's, he's a guy who always seems to have big games against Colts. Uh, but this defense has changed. We talk about things that have changed since week five. The Colts defense has changed since the Saints game in terms of uh, not giving up those explosives. And, you know, that was one of the things we were looking at last week. Can they keep it up against the Tampa Bay team that had a similar threat to to what you're going to see in, in Tennessee? Baker Mayfield had the arm to get it out there. You had Mike Evans. And Mike Evans did beat them a couple times. He got some touchdowns, but they didn't make it a thing that, that – dominated the game and uh you know after the game i thought one of the biggest surprises was baker mayfield saying a couple of those sacks he got sacked six times which is uh season high uh for tampa bay they only given up 20 coming in and he, some of those sacks were, were coverage sacks which you don't hear often from opponents this year but i think it's a sign that that secondary is starting to come together a little bit for the first time really all year they've had the same group out there for three or four games in a row um some of the young guys are starting to settle in. Jalen Jones in particular is playing really, really good football right now. Uh, and I think that's that's what's going to be critical on Sunday. Can they continue to limit those explosives? Hopkins can get his yards. Can they keep him out of the end zone? Can they make sure it's not a 50, 60, 70-yard touchdown that, like you said, ignites the fans, gets them in, plays in that home field advantage? And can you make Will Levis hold on to that ball a tick or two longer, let that, that pass rush get home, uh, I, I think it's going to be – it seems weird because the two teams are not that similar, but I, I just feel like the game plan is going to be a lot like last week's game plan against Tampa. Get after Will Levis, get him on the ground, do a better job against the run than you did against the Bucks, and get the offense rolling with the passing game to set up an opportunity for Zach Moss to close it out late. I'm with you. Like it is like it's you almost gotta like reprogram your brain when the Titans when you're playing the Titans because it's just like oh Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. 
And it's like now I, I'm with you 100%. Like you go into this game and it's like, oh, we got to stop Will Levis and DeAndre Hopkins. Like we can almost – look, you're not going to – you don't want and you're not going to let Derek Henry go for 150 yards or two touchdowns. We've seen that so many times. And that's how the Colts continue to lose. But I think you feel good on if you're the Colts right now defensively, especially betting on the fact that if you give Henry even like an even box, six guys, seven guys in there, that he's not going to just rip you apart. And I think that's evidence, George, of last week. I was just watching – the Titans Panthers game. Titans take a 17 to 3 halftime lead. In the second half, they got five total first downs. And you would think when you're playing the Panthers, who again you adjust your game plan to because you realize, oh, offensively, they're not going to really score. So we can just run the ball and really draining the clock, even with 13 minutes in the second in the third quarter up 17-3, is probably the smart game plan. They couldn't even do that. Five first downs, punted there every single possession they had in the second half. They could not wear down the clock on the ground. And then Carolina did a good job of limiting Will Levis in the pass game, where it was just almost basically one first down, then you're off the field. That's a, a situation where if you can really now stop Will Levis and this passing offense for Tennessee, I think you really have a, a great chance here to limit their offensive explosiveness and not lose this game. And so that's why you obviously you can't let Derrick Henry go off. But I think you prioritize here stopping the pass game first, then worry about the run game second. And that's why I'm with you. I think it, it does mirror um, a lot of what we saw last week, I think, on both sides of the ball. I think if you're the Colts again, I think you want to go in there with Gardner Minshew passing the, to, uh, passing the ball to open up the run, not just because, one, I think we both expect that the Titans to sell out to stop the run after that big game in week number five for the Colts on the ground. But also, too, I don't think if you are Shane Steichen or Gardner Minshew – you are that fearful of Tennessee being ball hawks. And they have just three interceptions on the season, lowest in the NFL. So they've not done a good job of forcing turnovers when quarterbacks are throwing the ball all over the yard of them. And so Gardner Mitchell has a turnover problem, right? And at times we see, we see it every game. He goes into that little slump where all of a sudden the balls are being put in spots that are very dangerous. But Tennessee has shown you so far, George, that they can't take advantage of that with just three interceptions on the season. Well, and a guy that you were most afraid of is in Philadelphia now. I mean, Kevin Byard's the one that would normally come into this game saying avoid him, and uh, if Gardner throws an interception to Byard on Sunday, that'll be a real feat. That that would be, I think, a record, an NFL record. So not something that's going to be a concern. Uh, But I I do think the guy to to maybe keep an eye on 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 the Colts defense is is Ronnie Harrison. Uh, Obviously, coming in in that third linebacker role, even though Henry will not be as big a factor in a game plan as he has been, I bet you're still going to see more base from the Colts than, than you would most weeks because it's still Tennessee. They're still going to be in a lot of big packages. Uh, and they're, you're probably going to have the base out there more often than, than the seven snaps Harrison played against Tampa Bay. Uh, and I think it's going to be critical for him, not just – you know, in in the pass coverage, which I think he does a really good job of, because Titans do like to get the ball to, to Derrick Henry in in the pass game as well, uh, and I think Harrison's going to be a part of, of trying to make sure that doesn't happen. But in the run defense, I think that's going to be real critical. He has mentioned already that's sort of what he's still getting used to. Um, you know, he played safety his whole career before this, and so a lot of the pass coverage stuff comes naturally to him. And even being down in the box uh, is not all that new to him because he. He played a lot in dime, uh, at least while he was in Cleveland. So it's something that's not that unfamiliar. But he said the run fits and, and that element of the game right now is still what he's kind of 
coming up on. And then that's, you would imagine Vrabel's going to try to attack that. They're probably going to try to run his way a little bit, make him prove that he can be as, as strong in the run game as he is in pass coverage. But I think that's one little sort of matchup within the, the matchup to, to keep an eye on Sunday. I like that, George. That's a really good one. And obviously made a nice splash last week with an interception early in the game. But you're right, him in the run game too, um, wrapping up tackling Derek Henry, like I said, is a big part of, I don't think the Colts are going to be sending eight guys to try to slow down Derek Henry when they hand off the ball. It is going to be a lot of, I think, like you mentioned, it's spot on, a lot of one-on-one matchups. Can you wrap up? Can you make sure that Derrick Henry is not breaking tackles and get into the secondary? And the Colts did a great job of that back in week number five. There was just 43 yards on the ground, I believe, is the exact number um, he had rushing. And that's got to be a number that the Colts keep him to again this week in order to slow him down. One quick random piece of trivia here, George, just to go back to the Titans being a different home team versus away team. They're 4-0 at home. Three other teams, talk about who doesn't belong here, uh, are also undefeated at home. Do you have any, can you guess the three other home home teams that are undefeated? We know, I'll tell you this, it ain't the Colts. It's definitely not the Colts. Uh, They're the opposite of undefeated at home. That's all I thought was interesting about this matchup. The first time around, it was both of their weaknesses, the Colts at home and and the Titans on the road. And, And now it's both of their strengths, the Colts on the road and the Titans at home. But, uh, the other unbeaten home teams. Kansas They're all Kansas. in the same conference. Hmm. It is, you're right. Not nah, Kansas City. And they just suffered lost two their, home losses. Uh, man, they fire Andy Reid. I mean, <laughs> get him out of there. Uh, Philly, maybe? Philly is one. They only have one loss. I didn't think it was at home. There's so to the Jets, the of course, just like we all thought. <laughs> of course. I mean, who else would knock off the, the <laughs> Eagles? Uh, and Zach Wilson, Jets at that. Uh, Dallas? Cowboys are two. And now this team has three losses. All came in a row. All came away from home. The 49ers. Wait a second. No, that's not right. The 49ers lost to the the Bengals. At home. At home. Yeah. You know what? I read that false information. I take that back, George. Two other teams are undefeated at home. That's scary. Cowboys though. and Eagles. And it's like, who doesn't belong and here? Titans. Titans, Cowboys, Eagles. Three teams undefeated at home. But clearly the Cowboys are, are the team you're talking about. <laughs> does not make the other. No, I mean, that's – it's crazy. There's always weird stats in the NFL. Uh, I think the Steelers – you know, scoring margin right now is is just off the charts weird. Uh, we're, we've been outscored on the year, but you're seven and four, uh, which is just I, I didn't even think that was possible. Uh, but you know, the Steelers keep showing us new ways. But for the Titans, I, I think it's almost equally strange for them to be unbeaten at home. How many teams are four and seven, but have not lost at home? That, that that's a really weird. Uh, only in the NFL kind of a stat. Sorry, now I'm just fixated, making sure it was okay. It was not the 49ers. It was actually the Dolphins. My apologies. I... The Dolphins, oh, that makes sense. They Again, though, who doesn't belong? I mean, you're talking the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. And Tennessee. I mean, that tells you – one thing that, that, that tells me with that group is that neither Dallas or Miami has played a team with a winning record at home this year. Also true. Also very true. All the big games are away from home. So that also helps. That also helps without a doubt. 
Um, but also too, what's really interesting, George, is you look at the Tennessee team. Now, this is right. This this is a key you could say in any um any game. But speaking of home and away splits, why part of the reason why Tennessee is so good at home and so bad on the road is look at their red zone touchdown percentage. Like when they get in the red zone at home, they basically almost score a touchdown every time. When they get in the red zone on the road, they can barely score. Like look at these splits, George. Away from home, their red zone touchdown percentage is 20%. At home, 72%. That is insane. You go back to week number five. Now, the Colts were awful in their own right in the red zone. They were just one for five on their own end scoring touchdowns. But the Titans were one of four. So, again, that's a key, obviously, every single game. But especially for this game in Nashville, for a team that is totally different home and away here, you got to assume the Titans are going to get in the red zone. But for the Colts to hold them to three here and prevent touchdowns being scored is going to be where this game is or where the game is won or lost. I mean, and, and to your point, they were one for four. I'm guessing they kicked field goals on those other ones. So if you take, if you add four points on for two more touchdowns, if you give them their home, basically their home average, which would be three for four, they win that game. They lost by seven. If they convert two of those field goal drives to touchdowns, they're walking out with a win. And that's how big a difference. And it would be at 24 points, which is basically their home average. So that, yeah, it really does just come down to the red zone. And I think that's a really good point by you. I think that's probably last week we said turnovers. That's if the Colts win the turnover battle, they win the game. I think red zone might be that, that stat this week. You know, if the Colts win in the red zone, they'll win the game. I totally agree. That's where it's going to come down to. And again, especially with how efficient Tennessee has been, you got to limit their chances in the red zone. And that starts really at that point. Then it really starts with locking down Derrick Henry once again inside the 20, but making sure that in between the 20s, Will Levis and DeAndre Hopkins, especially, aren't killing you. It's going to be a very interesting game here on Sunday. A game that, again, the Colts now will go shorthanded in without Jonathan Taylor. Pressure on Zach Moss, pressure on Gardner Minshew, pressure on this defense as well to limit Will Levis, limit Derrick Henry, limit DeAndre Hopkins, and this Jekyll and Hyde Tennessee Titans team where they are definitely a lot better team at home than they are on the road. All right, when we return, Ben Arthur, who does a great job covering the entire division for uh, Fox Sports, will join us next based on in Nashville, so knows that Tennessee Titans roster and team very well. We'll try to get an answer from him. What the hell? Is it in the water? Is it in the air? Why is Tennessee, the 1985 Bears at home, and the 2023 Patriots on the road? We'll get some answers from Ben. Also, don't go anywhere as well. Game picks coming up. George Bremer has been red hot. So this man, I think, is going to go and will go four in a row. We'll see where his pick is. It all is all coming up right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. George Bremer, Ryan Hickey with you right here. Remember? Subscribe and download to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you do get your pods. Check us out on YouTube, which we will be there after the game. Blue Horseshoe Podcast on YouTube, live post-game reaction to Colts Titans here on Sunday. Speaking of which, let's welcome onto the show, go behind enemy lines and bring in Ben Arthur. Does a great job covering the AFC South for Fox Sports. Check out Ben's worth, uh, Ben's work on foxsports.com, also Fox Sports app. Check him out, social media, wherever you do social media. Ben Y. Arthur is his handle. Ben, welcome to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Thanks so much for the time. 
Thank you guys for having me. Excited for this. Same, same. We are very excited here. Colts going for the season Titan sweep for the first time since 2018. And George and I were just talking, Ben. We are trying to figure out, is it the air? Is it the water? What makes Tennessee such like the 1985 Bears at home? And they look like one of the worst teams in, in league history on the road. You look at their record, you look at their points scored at home versus away. You look at the red zone efficiency. They score touchdowns every time at home, can't score on the road. From your perspective, is there like an actual tangible thing you can identify that makes Tennessee so tough at home and so vulnerable away from Nashville? Yeah, I'm not sure I really have an, an answer for that. And honestly, the Titans don't really either. Like we've kind of asked them, players, coaches, and, and they don't really have a good answer. I mean, you, you just kind of want to go to the simple stuff of uh, just kind of having home support and 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 we know the Titans are built specifically on that D-line. And, and I think D-line pass rush, getting TFLs, I, I think that gets the crowd hyped up and, and you could really build off of that energy. And and so honestly, I, I think that maybe has a, a good uh, reason for it. Uh, these Titans just aren't very good overall. And so I, I think when you do have that little bit of extra juice from your home crowd, uh, the fan support, I think you, you can see those results on the field. So I, I don't really have a great answer for you because I, I don't think it's a very black and white answer. Uh, but um, but yeah, that, that's what I would have to say. Yeah, it's one of these these strange stats that you see in the NFL that, that don't make sense, which is like what makes the league what it is. Uh, but one of the other things that, that Ryan and I were talking about uh, earlier you look at that previous meeting between the Colts and the Titans and the Colts rushed for 193 yards at like 429 total yards, best offensive game in, in those totals for, for the Colts this year, worst defensive game in both those categories for Tennessee. Is that sticking in the Titans craw? Do you expect Mike Vrabel to, to have the number one thing on the checklist this, this week to be to shut down that running game? Yeah, I think that they definitely have that centered kind of on their board like just remembering what this is Zach Moss specifically did to them 165 yards on the ground and two touchdowns but something the Titans have mentioned is that outside of that like what 50 plus yard run they feel like uh that they had him relatively contained I mean I think he's still if you took away that big run it was still like four and a half yards per carry which is still a which is a strong number but I think they believe outside of that one big run that they just the fundamentally like just broke down uh on the defensive front I think they feel good um it, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they respond to it uh because I think because before that game in in what was it week uh I'm trying to remember five. yeah week five uh, the Titans had only allowed a hundred or, or more rushing yards in one of their previous 19 games dating back to last season. And then since Moss's game uh, in, in, in week five, that that big performance he's had, they've allowed over a hundred yards in four of their last six games. And so for, for whatever reason, maybe what the, the, what Moss, what the Colts were able to do has kind of been a bull blueprint to uh it, uh, kind of exposing the, the flaws, whatever they, they may be on this Titans defensive front. And so I, I think they are very motivated uh, to kind of shut that down. 
And um, I think, yeah, I think from their perspective, as long as you can shut that down, you have a really good chance of winning just because we we know you guys know, I mean, Gardner Minshew hasn't really been able to to push the ball uh, down the field. Uh, and uh, I, I think th- this past game, it was the Panthers, the Panthers stink and everything, but, but they, they did show some good things there. And I think for them carrying momentum from that game into this game against the Colts, I, I think, uh, they're they're kind of hopeful in, in that regard, but but again, I think from the the Titans' perspective, uh, they're kind of looking at that one big run that uh, Zach Moss had in that game as kind of an outlier to what they see as overall uh, like like a good effort against Moss. So so we'll kind of see how how that uh, shows its head on on Sunday. On that note, Ben, George and I were talking before, like, I think for the Colts, their game plan this week needs to be pass first to set up the run, in part because we kind of talked about it, the the Titans have been leaky in the run game, and so especially coming off of that game back in week five, you expect Mike Vrabel to really have the run, stopping the run, especially now without Jonathan Taylor, to be a big point of emphasis. And also, too, look at Tennessee this year, a league-low three interceptions. They've not exactly been turning over a lot of teams when they're passing the ball on them. Garner Minshew, as you just mentioned, and we've seen, unfortunately, a lot this year, has a propensity to put the ball in harm's way. Is it just bad luck? Like, is there a reason you can outline as to why right now Tennessee just can't get any interceptions and really change the game with their secondary? Yeah, I I think it starts with the front. As I said earlier, like the the strength of this Titans team, regardless of the side of the ball, it's that D-line. And that D-line has to be able to get pressure to to impact the quarterback to to really have a chance to win games and going back to our earlier point about how the titans are just so much better at home than they are on the road their pass rush looks like we know that pass rush to be when they are at home i believe they have like 16 sacks at home uh this season in, in those four games something like that uh and so I, I think that's going to really be key. I know Minshew gets the ball out quickly. And as we said, in terms of air yards, it's not really there. But but I think if they can really get after him uh, and yeah, j- just kind of impact his process, it, it increases the chances, of course, to, to get turnovers, which they haven't been able to get this season. So I think it all starts with that front. And they certainly have the personnel uh, to do it with, with Jeff Simmons and Arden Key, Danico Autry, Tier Tart, uh, all those guys. And, and being at home, as we said, has kind of been their, um, you know, kind of been, been their uh, thing this year. And so uh, I think, I think as long as those guys play to their standard up front, as they have this season at home, uh, I think there's a, a chance that to, for, for takeaways from their perspective. Ben, I, uh, I saw Will Levis's media availability a little bit of it earlier this week. Uh, somebody asked him about the draft, obviously, and of course, there's that tweet out there from from Jim Irsay about uh, that they were still going to take him <laughs> in the second round. And uh, is is there anything this week? Do you notice any difference in him? Is there a revenge game aspect at all on, on his part here? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a, a revenge game like for Will, but but just from in my short time being around him, I mean, he's just one of those guys that's just very intrinsically like like motivated. Like he he maybe won't say this necessarily like get this out there, but uh, just like all those teams that passed on him and having to wait in the green room and then 
not getting drafted until he got home and he like literally walked right through his door when the Titans were taking him at the top of the second round. And so, um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think from Will's perspective, I mean, at least the chatter was he could go like as high as four uh, to the Colts after Bryce, CJ and, and Anthony. I, I mean, I think between Anthony and, and Will, people weren't sure maybe which one would maybe go first. Um, but but I think just having to wait as long as Will had to do as, as he had and um, all those teams passed on him and then just even the back half of the first round, I think there were teams who needed quarterbacks who passed on him as well. So so I, I do think there is maybe a general sense of uh, motivation. And, and he has he has said uh, how it's kind of important for him to like look at how he's done in comparison to other rookie quarterbacks. Uh, like like this, he said this pretty soon, like after he, he became the starter. Um, I, I think he may have said this uh, ahead of playing the Panthers and Bryce Young, just looking at how those guys have done it in comparison to, to his own. Um, so so I, I do think there is a little bit of that, but but I, I don't think there's this over sen- overwhelming sense of, of a revenge game from his perspective. Speaking of Will Levis, Ben, George and I were like, this is a weird, a different spot for the Colts to be in compared to recent years, because usually you go into any Titans game and game plan defensively one, two, three, four, and five is stopping Derrick Henry at all costs, sell and make sure Derrick Henry doesn't, doesn't beat you. And the Colts, unfortunately, have seen Henry beat them a ton of times here. But this feels like a different matchup where Derrick Henry is the lowest career average rushing yards uh, per carry of his career, 4.2. And you kind of look at how this Tennessee offense is. Will Levis has made some big plays in the passing game when afforded to him. I think if you're Gus Bradley in the Colts defense, you focus on taking and shutting down Will Levis and DeAndre Hopkins first and then worry secondarily about uh, Derrick Henry. If you were in Gus Bradley's shoes, Ben, how would you defend this Titans offense? Would you Would you prioritize the passing game, shutting that down first? Or still, hey, Derrick Henry's on the field. He still has to be any defense's number one priority. Yeah, I think you always have to maybe be cognizant of Derrick Henry whenever he's on the field. But I I think, as you said, I think taking away Will Levis, uh, that cannon of an arm he has. I mean, we saw it in his first start against the Falcons, which was just insane. Uh, Like all those air yards he had on, on those touchdowns and even in the Pittsburgh game, the next week, even though they lost that game, we saw his ability to really push the ball down the field. And so I think when whenever you can make an offense one dimensional, uh, that that should should always be the goal. Uh, and and whenever you could just focus all your resources on uh, when, you know, you can focus on Derek because you have uh, the back end uh kind of clamped down, so to speak, I think that certainly helps. And I think that the the Colts have a blueprint of the last several weeks. I mean, really since uh, that, uh, since that Falcons game, as I said, and to a lesser extent, that Pittsburgh game, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't passed for over 200 yards in his last, uh, uh, what, what is it? Th- three, three games. I, I want to say he started five games since mm-hmm. those first two, he hasn't, uh, thrown for for over 200 yards and so I think Gus Bradley this Colts defense they do have maybe a blueprint to to kind of lean on in taking that away uh and, and then you could focus your your energy on on, on Derrick Henry because yeah I think you, you open a can of worms if you do give 
Will Levis the opportunity because he he does have this amazing arm and we know what DeAndre Hopkins is still able to do at this point in his career. Uh, and so, so I, I would, I would agree with you. I, I think if you can take that away, uh, you, you exponentially increase your chances of beating this very limited uh, Titans team. And then I, I think from, from the Colts uh, perspective, it's not necessarily always just about the back. And I think just, getting pressure on Will Levis just because the Titans O-line has been so bad. And as both of you guys know, uh, this Colts D-line has been able to get a lot of sacks and and force turnovers because of that pressure they've been able to get to. And and they, they've had, yeah, Tennessee's had a lot of issues up front. And so I, I think as long as you make kind of like the D-line wreaking havoc a priority for, from Gus Bradley's perspective, I think you have a really good chance of, of winning this game. One thing, uh, last one for me, obviously the AFC wildcard race is insane right now. Uh, you've got so many teams still with, with, with a shot. Is there any thought down there in Nashville, of, you know, if you can get this win, you got two coming up still with the Texans, that you know a victory on, on Sunday, maybe they can climb back into this thing? Yeah, the, the Titans, I'll say this, they they definitely don't think their season is over, even though everyone wants to to say that. I mean, there's still six games left. They they have a number of division games left, including this one uh upcoming on on Sunday. And and Arden Key, uh one of their top edge guys who was with the Jags last year when they started, I, I think it was three and seven. And they're able to turn that year around. And we know what they became at the end of last year and getting into the playoffs and then overcoming the like third, you know, posting the third largest like comeback in, in a play in a playoff game ever to, to beat the Chargers. Um, so he, he's Arden Key has definitely mentioned that uh, to to us, like as reporters and also to the team. Uh, just of kind of what's possible all you have to do is I mean it's easier said than done of course but stringing games together is still very much a possibility uh, for for the Titans and and they do as we've talked about they they have been just dominant at home and of their six remaining games four of them are at home and so I think all those have to be like must win like get get those games at home and and, and kind of see what happens but but yeah the, the Titans I'll say like the Titans don't think their season is over at all, even though the national narrative may be that they're, they're kind of cooked for the year, but, but I know that they don't, they don't believe that. So, um, so, so, so we'll see. I, I mean, as we know that this Titans team isn't really that good in, in, a, on a lot, on a lot, on a number of, of different fronts, but, um, but yeah, you beat the Colts all of a sudden you're five, five and seven and, and who knows? I mean, then anything can happen from their perspective. So we'll see. To finish up, Ben, if you can finish the sentence for me, the Titans win on Sunday if? The Titans win on Sunday if they make Gardner Minshew's life hell uh, in in the pocket. Um, If they're able to get kind of like that high-level pressure that that we know they're capable of, like the, the strength, as I've said, of this team is that pass rush, and they have been this season really, really good at home. Um, and it's contributed. They're actually really, really good at home on third down to like, they're holding teams at like 26% conversion rate on third down at home. And, and a large part of that is because of the pass rush. And so 
I think if they can make Gardner Minshew's life hell, they they have a really good chance of of winning this game. Colts fans, check out Ben's work because he's not a Titans reporter. He's an AFC South reporter. He's covering the Colts. There's a tremendous job covering the division. Find him, foxsports.com, Fox Sports app, all over social media. Ben Y. Arthur's where you could get his work, find his work, read his work, Fox Sports. Ben, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate you coming behind enemy lines with us. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. This was good. And welcome back in to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. A big thank you to Ben Arthur for joining us here. George, one thing he said that we didn't really touch on so far in the opening segment that I think makes sense to touch on here is one of the keys he talked about was Gardner Minshew getting the ball out quick, in part because, look, we've seen Derrick Henry wreck games offensively, right, for the or I guess defensively for the Colts. We've also seen on the offensive end, Jeffrey Simmons wreck games for uh, this Colts offense and just wreak hell in the backfield here. It's a twofold right approach, right? Obviously, Gardner Minshew can hold on to the ball, and that was something that Bryce Young last week especially did a ton and paid for with a lot of sacks. But also on the Colts' offensive line to block. It's a tough ask, but one of the most unblockable guys right now in football. No, there's no question. Um, yeah, we'll see if Ryan Kelly's able to go. I think that's another one of these big questions. We don't know his status. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, last week it looked like he was going to be able to make it, and then on Saturday he didn't get clearance. So the fact that he was full this week is is a good sign, but it doesn't necessarily mean uh, that he's going to play on Sunday. Wesley French has done a good job in there uh, when he's had to fill in, but this is a huge task uh, with Jeffrey Simmons, both from protecting Gardner Minshew and from Zach Moss's perspective, getting going and, and you know really having a big day on the ground like he did the last time around. So I think one of the big keys is going to be getting the ball out quickly with Gardner and maybe leaning on those RPOs the Gardner seems to absolutely excel at. It's I still can't like every time we, we hear RPO and Gardner mention the same sentence, I just still laugh because he's so good at those play designs, even though there's like a 1% chance, and that's maybe being generous of him actually keeping the ball and running around the edge. It makes no sense why he's why he's more comfortable, why he's more effective when those sort of play designs are run <laughs> the RPO game. Is going to be a big key here on Sunday and and limit Jeffrey Simmons's explosiveness. You heard Arden Key's name. He's been um, a game wrecker as well off the edge for Tennessee. And it just like the old cliche, holding your water on the offensive line. It's going to be loud, but you heard Ben say it as well. Part of the reason why the Tennessee has been so good at home is that home crowd has given them an advantage where it is tough to hear the snap count. You do almost feel like you get a head start defensively versus the offensive line kind of sitting there and waiting for the ball to be snapped. Quick off the ball, block them, keep them in, in conflict constantly here. If you can run the ball downhill, should be a good recipe for the Colts to win on Sunday. George, we did a lot of preview, a lot of if this happens, then that happens. Time to, I was going to say put our money where our mouth is, but we're not actually betting on this. Um, so we're just going to say we're going to try to put our predictions then where our mouth is. George, you will continue to lead us off here in picks because you are the leader. Seven and four on the season when it comes to game picks. Night and day between this year and last year, you, sir, just like the Colts, three-game winning streak. Let's make it four, George. Colts at the Titans. How about this? A rare time, the Colts, a one-point road favorite. The official George Bremer prediction is? I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than, than maybe people expect. 
Uh, I think it's going to come down to the wire, and I think the offense has to play well on Sunday. I really do. Uh, I Because if you look at what Tennessee's done at home, they're going to put points on the board. In, in all likelihood, they're going to put points on the board. So I think the offense has to get things going. I think they will. I think the final is going to be 27-24. to 24. Wow. Offensive explosion. 27-24. I like it. I'm going to go Colts winning as well. A little bit lower scoring. I'm going to say 20-16. to 16. I think it is a game that's going to mirror more like what we saw in Baltimore early in the year, where it is kind of like run the ball, grind it out. Red zone possessions are going to be key. I do think the Colts, just like they did in week number five, do a good job limiting Tennessee in the red zone. And so I think Tennessee is going to be settling for a lot of field goals, which does come back to bite them. I'll say 2016 Colts go into Tennessee win, sweep the season series, George, for the first time since 2018, and march their way closer to the playoffs. Let's go. Let's go. I I know your love of the Titans, so there's got to be a real victory cone if this one comes to be. You know, you know what? It may make it – it may be double because you know what? That's the thing. It was nice to beat the Titans in week number five, and when we did the postgame pod on that Sunday after the game – we did not know the extent of Anthony Richardson's injury. We knew it was serious and it looked like a shoulder injury. We did not know if he was going to be out for the rest of the year or not. So that win, despite it being sweet for the first time, was it a five-game losing streak? I think off the top of my head that the Colts broke to Tennessee. Um, it was mere, you know, marred. I had a dark cloud over it by the fact that Richardson's status is up in the air. I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm not going to speak into his ex- existence, but there's very little that could happen here on Sunday that would ruin a Colts victory. There are some things that could put a dark cloud over it, but very little. So I'm going to not put that in the universe. I have been known to be a mush from time to time. So I'm not going to say something and have that. Then, you know, the opposite happens. So I'm just going to say, yes, if we are talking about a Colts victory on Sunday, George, doing the postgame pod um, after the game in a joyous mood, I don't think there's going to be many reasons or, or many chances that a dark cloud like it was in week number five, hanging over that victory pod. That's how we'll, that's how we'll phrase it. And also, I am superstitious. I did knock on wood. <laughs> so you're ready. You got this all covered. I tell you, it's uh, been a while since the Colts have won down there. Has it been 2020? I think this is the last time the Colts 2020. won in Tennessee. So uh, Tennessee hasn't lost there this year. Huge game. It always seems to be every time these teams get together, there, there's always something on the line. Oh, or the Colts are missing Grover Stewart. I don't understand that too, but you know, if he misses a game, it, it seems to be this one. So, uh, huge game on Sunday, and then maybe this defense can get some key pieces back and, and try to take aim at that first postseason berth since 2020. That's right. And last thing too, I'm interested to see. We talked a lot about the Titans' home field advantage. I'm interested to see how many Colts fans travel because the, ne- the next two road games, short, right? Nashville and Cincinnati, short drives, both. Cincinnati's more in it, but right now the Colts, again, have a better postseason chance and are more realistic to make the playoffs than both the Titans and the Bengals. In terms of home field intensity, I think we could see a lot of, I was going to say blue, but the Titans are, are blue as well. I don't know exactly what shade of blue they are. It's not a baby blue, but it's like a lighter-ish. And they also have two they different shades of blue. Yeah, I mean, it's... yeah, you're right. I don't know either shade of blue they have. They kind of, yeah, they kind of, they, they toy with it. Who knows what they'll wear on, on Sunday because they got like 14 different uniform combos. So it's hard to say what shade of blue they'll be even on game day. So I will say this, historically, uh, Colts fans travel really well. 
to to Nashville and to Cincinnati. So uh, we'll see how much they are behind this team as well. But uh, normally when you get down there, there are a lot of Colts jerseys in that that stadium. I was going to say, guaranteed to be a lot of blue. That's for sure. What shade we'll talk about, but I think you're right. I think we'll, we'll see a good contingent of Colts fans and maybe make it Lucas Oil Stadium, George, South. Take over. Make it loud. Get those Titans on the heels and not allow them to benefit from the home field advantage. The one thing I'll say, because we did talk about uniforms, they have a ton. My pick might change. If I don't think they're wearing this. I don't think, because I'm pretty sure you got to announce it and they would make a big deal about it if this was the case. They're not going to wear the Oilers throwback yeah. uniforms. If they did, I think I'd change my pick. You, yeah, I mean, that, I don't see them looking that good and losing the game. I mean, we know they won the last time they wore because they wore it at home. So, yeah, there's no doubt. They should wear those against the Texans. I think the Texans would really enjoy that. Their fans, too, would love to see not only the Texans play um, the Titans in their old uniforms, but also then seeing them lose to the Titans in their own uniforms. You talk about really just adding salt in the wound. And that would, that would get a lot of Houston people upset, George. I like that. Save the save the Oiler throwbacks, yeah, for when Houston comes to town in a few weeks. Those things are beautiful. They, they are. are beautiful. Holy there cow. And I don't blame Houston for fighting for them. I mean, if those are part of your lineage, hey, you can't have our awesome uniforms. That, that, that's us. I agree. That's ridiculous. The color scheme for the Texans is the same. You can't just completely change your color scheme if you're the Titans to bring back throwbacks from a city you left and the Titans, I know they're not the Oilers, but it's like it's still um, yeah. still about the same. Yeah, I that's a whole... if, if they wear those uniforms, they should have to play the game in Memphis. I think that that's the deal. Okay. I don't hate that. That's, that's where the Oilers were in Tennessee. So if, if you're going to do that, the game has to be in Memphis. What is that? The uh, Is it the Liberty Bowl, I think, is where the Memphis Tigers, I think that's the name of their stadium, and also the bowl game as well. Fill it up, George. Make a make a trip down there. I like that. That's a good stipulation. If you want to keep the uniforms, play at least where they used to play and make it historically accurate. Oh, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a very interesting game here on Sunday. Colts, Titans here. Uh, this is a huge game. Colts win this one. They are really locking themselves into one of the playoff spots here, going at 7-5 and five on the season. Big-time season sweep opportunity for the first time since 2018. George and I, both from the Colts, hopefully we are talking a joyous post-game pod. Speaking of which, win or lose, make sure you do join us here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod live post-game show exclusively on YouTube. After the game, George is going to be in Nashville. Check check us out. We'll be live reacting to uh, that game for the Colts. Found one place and one place only, YouTube Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Subscribe today so you are already set for Sunday. We'll send reminders out on social media as well uh, for the link to follow for the live post-game show. But that's where George and I will talk to you next, live from Nashville, post-game show, Sunday, Colts, Titans. Let's go, George. Have a great weekend. I will talk to you on Sunday after the game right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.